Hey now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, at the Living the Dream Studios. I got D-Boy alongside me again today. What's going on with you, D-Boy? What's happening, Brody? What's happening? We back. It's 10 o'clock. I'm feeling good. 10 o'clock, July 1st. What a day, what a day. July 1st. It's July a new month. 1st. It's a new month. We passed halfway through the year. And it rained in Portland year. today, so Man, that, that tells you... <laughs> That tells you the type of time we on out here right now. It rained in Portland, Oregon. Like you said, nothing new, no surprise, but damn, it's July. Can we get a little more sunshine? And I bet it's going to rain in rain. August, too, out here. Yeah, it'll rain probably at, at some or point. Or twice, yeah, it'll probably rain at some point in August, but hopefully this month we really start to see an uptick in the heat. Personally, I like the heat. I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people like to be... In the cold, cuddly weather, I know that he could be very uncomfortable to people sometimes, but me personally, I enjoy the heat. Yeah, um, I got a new addiction, especially in the heat. Talk to me. Golf. Golf. I'm addicted to golf. Golf. Picked up a new game, y'all. Um, when I'm not rapping now, um, I, my free time, I'm golfing. That's where I'm getting my cardio in. I'm walking the courses, but uh, I'm playing a lot. I'm nine talking holes, like, eighteen holes. I'm playing nine holes, but I'm playing two to three times a week. So, oh wow, it's okay. getting very, uh, it's getting very active. And then on days that I'm not playing, I'm hitting the driving range and working on the game. So it's that kind of addiction. So, bro. so, so, it's what, crazy. what got you into it? When did you start getting addicted? Like, I, I want to hear more about that because uh, I love to hear about black men golfing, whether it be recreationally, professionally, yeah. whether it's on Steph Curry's TV show. I don't give a damn. A black yeah, man in the facts. golf course is, is tight to facts. me. So, yeah, close friend of mine, um, Trev, who I went to college with, we talk about him sometimes. Uh, he real supportive of everything I do. Like I said, he a partner of mine since college, but uh, he's the only close friend that I got that's really, or that I knew I had at the moment um, that's really good in golf. So, uh, or really into the game of golf. He's definitely good. Um, he's working on his game still in certain areas, but he's better than me. He beats me every time we go out there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just the fact that I came across a good set of clubs for a good price, it was like I had the uh, clubs and as you know, being my brother, when I was very young, I was into the game of golf. My dad played, our dad played, um, our Uncle Rick played. So I was used to going out and playing nine holes as a young buck. But then as I got older and got into baseball, my coaches and my parents told me not to play golf because of the swing difference. Really? They didn't want muscle memory to affect the swing. They didn't want to loop in my baseball swing. Gotcha. We knew I wasn't going to the pros in baseball. I mean, in golf. But at the time, you know, yeah. we was... We was avid in the sports and in baseball for sure, so they didn't want that uh, swing to develop and translate into baseball. So I, I didn't get to play as much as I really enjoy it, you know, as a youngin'. So just knowing that it's kind of nostalgic, I guess you would say. I oftentimes think about my dad and Uncle Rick when I'm on the course, so that's cool. And then just the fact that it's a real challenging game. And so the fact that it's real meticulous and room for error, I guess you could say. Um, I like the fact that it's something that's challenging to me. I want to yeah. conquer. Um, it's a game you you could drink on the course. Um, as people know, I love nature. So the landscapes of the course being different, every different golf course is different landscape. It's a very social game. So you're meeting people, you're talking to people, you're exchanging tips. Um, for social people who distancing. like to, yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure, <laughs> definitely, and that's the thing yeah, about it. There's yeah. nothing but space and green out there, and then, uh, you know, for it, everybody treats the course different, but I just like the scenery. I like playing. I like the challenge, and it's just dope. Yeah, I need to get into golf a little bit more. The only time I golf is when I'm at a celebrity golf tournament or some kind of charity event. But, right, right. Uh, not really my thing. And I do want to get more into it, though. It's, it's and, a and fun Maybe game, soon bro. enough I will. But And people gamble a lot. I feel like it's an investment. Well, you just like gambling. For sure. And that's another thing that's good. Um, because going <laughs> We've out there. talked about your Oregon sports bets yeah, time and again on for this sure. podcast. A lot of people go out there and get into tournaments and uh, even when foursomes just go out there and play, a lot of it is little wagers and bets. So it can be per hole. It can be closest to the green. It's just so much things you can bet on that. That also adds an element, too, when you're out there shooting the shit. Absolutely, absolutely. Quick announcement on my end. As I mentioned already, today is July 1st. And um, on, on the good side of things, I actually got a promotion within 
our organization over at Street Roots. Yeah, we gotta get we Shout gotta out, get some man. random Shout applause out. sound sure. effects on here. <laughs> but uh, sure. but yeah, got a promotion. Uh, been the vendor program manager for a year and a little bit of change now. A year and three months, I want to say. I've been the vendor program manager. Um, today, I am officially the vendor program director. It's been a real cool and interesting journey working at Street Roots. Actually, today, again, it's July 1st, and July 5th will be my two-year anniversary in working with that organization. So starting out as vendor you program sure coordinator. You did a lot in two years. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Starting out as vendor program coordinator, then going to vendor program manager, and now today being officially uh, vendor program director is really cool. Um, like I said, coming into this, I really didn't expect this to happen the way that it did especially because my introduction to street roots was actually through journalism as a freelance reporter covering stories that that dealt with the intersection of sports and politics obviously which we do here on this podcast and that's all I was I was a freelance reporter and at that time I had gotten laid off from radio and I really didn't know what my next move was going to be but I wanted to stay within the realm of media. I wasn't in the biggest rush to get back into radio at that time because of my experience. I felt like I was at the highest of highs and also hit the lowest of lows within um, my six-month stint of being a radio host. But, you know, just trying to figure out and kind of navigate my way through the media industry. Started writing for Street Roots as a freelance reporter. And a few months after I'd started writing for him, I ended up being reached out to by some folks within the organization because the position opened up as a vendor program coordinator. And I applied for it, ended up getting the job, never expected to really work as closely with the unhoused community as I am. Certainly didn't expect to work as closely with a lot of the local politicians in the way that I do now. And I'll be quite honest with you, as somebody who obviously kind of tailors my life around sports, politics, and culture, um, the political growth in regards to the learning curve for me working at Street Roots and also some of the things that I've actually gotten to accom- accomplish in the political realm realm is absolutely insane to me. So um, I think it's really kind of molded me in ways where this podcast in a lot of ways kind of spoke into existence what I ultimately was going to become. I still got a long way to go and don't know what the future ultimately is going to look like, but I always knew I had this interest in sports, politics, and culture, have always been able to stay within sports media, whether, like I said, it was radio, then from that, freelance reporting, and then from that, doing play-by-play and doing uh, color a color analysis at Portland State University. So that element has been cool to kind of keep hold of. And I have a great passion for sports anyway. Politically, like I said, the, the work I've been able to do at Street Roots, culturally, although right now I'm not really DJing because of the pandemic, but you all know I was DJing quite regularly, really staying engaged with the music scene, with the art scene. So just to kind of see my life mold into kind of a manifestation that I think in a lot of ways branched from this podcast has been really cool to see up to this point. And like I said, where the future will take me, I do not know, but I am grateful to be in the position I am right now. Congrats. Congrats. Indeed. Indeed. Um, Let's take it to some content now. Cam Newton. And we're going to do a lot of rapid fire today. There's a lot of kind of subjects that let's I want to hit let's on. Hit so we'll just sort of be rapid fire. We might get in depth in, on some topics more than others, but I certainly want to start with Cam Newton. First off, saying congratulations to him for being signed by Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Um, Belichick's the man. What can I say? Uh, he was able to get Cam on a very, very cheap deal. A, yeah, a minimum. Incentive-driven deal. <laughs> Incentive-driven deal. So I feel like the minimum is like a million and the maximum is 7.5. 7.5 is the maximum if he hits those incentives, that, as you mentioned. So I think the deal obviously uh, was a steal in a lot of ways 
for Bill Belichick. Was and the it Patriots. an L for Cam Newton? You just congratulated him, so I'm assuming. No, that. no, it's not an L for Cam Newton because he couldn't get signed anywhere. Do I think he's worth more than that per se? Yeah, but I mean, also that's the extent I meant in the yeah. L. But yeah, I mean, it's still like not I said, a, the situation isn't an L. The situation isn't an L, and I, and I really think the situation isn't an L because of where he's going to play. Now, if he signed a minimum deal for somebody that that's not as accomplished as Bill Belichick for an organization that's not as accomplished as the New England Patriots, then I might say that it's an L. But to be able to come back, play with the coach who obviously is adaptive, and the reason why I say Belichick is adaptive is because you just lost the greatest quarterback of all time. A lot of people consider Tom Brady to be just that. It would have been very easy to try to look and find another Tom Brady after you've had so much success with Tom Brady and now he's gone. But if you look at the direction the league is going in, dual threat quarterbacks are rising. I thought to New the England top. won on this one. Absolutely. Dual threat quarterbacks are rising to the top. So he's going to ball his ass off. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, who's I would say the best player in football, Lamar Jackson. We saw the insane MVP year he had this year. We see Russell Wilson always in the thick of it. Cam Newton's coming off of a foot injury. He is coming off of a foot injury, but I but I don't think mm, it's sidelined him for most of the season, if not all of last year. I do. I think he can get hurt again. There's always I mean, that possibility within the sport hurt. of football. But do you think that the but, foot injury translates into? The never being the same narrative that we hear oftentimes in basketball. Even if even if Cam Newton isn't the same athletically, he was so superior at the quarterback position that I still think he'll be effective. I think he'll be effective as a dual threat quarterback. But he quarterback. couldn't get signed the because he's been is, ineffective as of his most recent outings, correct? Well, he's been injured. That's as what I'm <laughs> saying. You accredited to that injury. I wouldn't consider that ineffective. I just consider that him not playing because he no, was no, no. When he play, I'm saying when he played before being sidelined, I, I, I thought I remembered that he, he fell off the deep end. Like his performance was... I don't think he fell off the deep end. He hasn't had a year since that MVP year. That was quite the same. But also, I think a lot of things have to be considered. That, so you don't remember Cam Newton playing bad? Uh, no, he he hasn't played at an MVP level. I, I don't, ask I don't that. consider I it bad. You can't uh, always mimic an MVP. But bad, bad. Okay, is I not, thought the narrative not on the him extent. is that he was playing. I thought I remembered that he was mediocre he at best. Uh, mediocre at life. best is different than bad to me, and that's ultimately the point that I'm getting at. I don't think Cam Newton necessarily played bad. I think he was injury riddled, and when you're injury riddled, that's not a good thing, of course. But I don't think he's gotten to the point. I'm not of saying he doesn't have an excuse that he didn't, but I don't know. think he ever gotten to the point where, damn, Cam Newton is just a bad quarterback. And that's now. what I thought that the narrative was. I don't believe that, yeah, and that's why and I, I said no, I think he's gonna thrive in New England. I'm not downing him at all, but I think. People lost faith in his ability to play. What? Well, but I think a lot of that also had more to, more to do with his off the field antics as well. I think we kind of correlate his off the field antics. No, nah, I didn't even think decline. about that. But I'm asking, do you and, think and that's I, more so why he couldn't get signed too? Not the inability to play at a high level. I absolutely but his off, think it played a role. That's okay. I absolutely think it played a yeah, role because I wasn't even thinking about. The yeah, off-field. yeah. Off the field, we know Cam Newton is a character. He's like the Odell Beckham he's of quarterbacks. He, he's something else. So being that he was injury prone, being that a lot of organizations considered him somewhat of a nuisance in the locker room, I think that more so played into the narrative that Cam Newton was a bad quarterback. But I don't think he ever got to the point of actually being a bad quarterback, which is why I say where I think Belichick has some foresight, those dual threat quarterbacks, as I mentioned, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson is always in the thick of it. Hell, although those quarterbacks are black, the reason why I think Aaron Rodgers still is always in the conversation of being able to compete because he's always been a dual threat quarterback. You just see the league really going in that direction. And I think it allows the, the Patriots not to have to try to depend on duplicating what Tom Brady did because quite frankly you're never going to be able to duplicate that especially this soon because he's the greatest quarterback we've ever seen but I think it they could have easily got lost I mean who's better (laughs) who's who's better I think he's the greatest quarter I, I, I know arguably but I certainly believe he's the greatest quarterback ever 
I, I don't think you can name a quarterback better than him. Um, especially when you really think about like the guys that he's had around him. He's had good players, quality players around him, but he's never had like the craziest wide receiver core. Like he's it was a system and it worked. It worked yeah, very it well. Was the right so, people in the right places and it worked. So I'm I'm very happy for Cam. I hope I hope this means at some point. We do see a team take a chance on Colin Kaepernick because I think Colin Kaepernick is another quarterback dual threat um, and, and could really allow an offense to do more within itself than a lot of the quarterbacks that we see today. And I'm and like I said, I think it's been proven on the field that these dual threat quarterbacks are the way to go. So um, good on Bill Belichick. Good on the New England Patriots and good on Cam Newton being able to get another shot to go out there and prove his worth as a quarterback. Big news coming out of the city of Portland. Dame Man Lillard. Dame Dollar with the coldest NBA 2K. 2K vibes. <laughs> uh, they cover. had a nice rollout for him. That too. was a great rollout. That commercial, did you see that commercial? Everything Dame, fool. Everything Dame. Not everything game, but everything Dame. I think I that was really, really huge for the the. City of Portland, Rip City. I also think it was huge for the city of Oakland. I was talking to his cousin, Brittany, actually, and I asked her, I'm like, is he the first Blazer to get a 2K um, cover? And I, I believe he is. The only other player that I could see getting a 2K cover would have been LaMarcus Aldridge. Since he 2K is really... No 2K. Hell no. Nah. No, I, I know nah, he's not getting uh -uh. it, but I'm saying I think he's the only player that has been talented enough to be able to get recognition I think Brandon Roy, if, he, so. if he Brandon passes, Roy yeah, Brandon, Brandon Roy, Roy is too. more I would have picked Brandon Roy before LaMarcus Aldridge just do you think it, Brandon Roy is a greater blazer than LaMarcus Aldridge hell though? yeah Ooh, I don't know about that that's I don't know if I agree with that that's a good discussion though but I think Brandon Roy just he was too injury prone during his I mean that's here. I don't think it lasted long I think enough, it'll be a no brainer Aldridge, without it but I mean look LaMarcus Aldridge was a solid player but Brandon Roy was gonna be the franchise guy I'm gonna be honest with you like Brandon Roy was that man I think he had it in him but yeah, that, like that's I said what I'm saying I mean but, he just but, didn't get to play long but was enough. he gonna be a championship guy I think Lamar I mean LaMarcus Aldridge accomplished a lot he consistently took that team Brandon to the Roy playoffs better, I better don't think blazer. so I, I don't mean, think so. I know you don't. And, and if you look you, at Lamarcus Aldridge, and if you look at Lamarcus <laughs> Aldridge's stats, if you look at his All Star appearances, like he was considered a we need, top we need three to, to ask five. Blazer fans. Absolutely, ask, we need to, I Absolutely. think it's a good conversation. He was a top three to five power forward in the league for sure when Dame came into the league, and Dame obviously was able to take over and, and do some special things in a Blazer uniform. But Still, really dope cover okay, yeah, for that Dame. <laughs> that that commercial, it's a was great look for him too, insane. and I think it just kind of goes into the fact of everything that he brings to the league. Like I said, when you're not looked upon as a weak rapper, he's a respected rapper in the NBA. He's a respected player in the NBA. Even although we knew he's been a great player, um, he's earned a lot of people's respect in the last three years. He's done some iconic things on the court. Not only off the court, mm -hmm. and he's garnished respect in tweets from people like the late Kobe Bryant. We know how much LeBron James loves him. I just seen LeBron James post uh, a comment on his uh, on Dame's you know post about being on 2K. So I say all that to say it's been a lot. I mean, he's performed at the damn All Star game, and he was supposed to be playing, but yeah. he was injured. So <laughs> yeah, like I said, I think everything that he brings to the game not only on the court but off the court uh made it fitting i wasn't necessarily surprised although i don't take away from how big the accomplishment is it's, it's big for the culture it's big for the city of portland like you said and it's just another phenomenal accolade that i think is well deserved and that's more so why i said it wasn't surprising because it is well deserved for sure and what i liked most about it was sort of the timeliness of him getting this cover when Portland actually is is getting some of the momentum that has gotten by way of protesting, by way of demonstrating, and I just think Portland has been my on a steady even protesting. Yeah, I, him going out and protesting, but I just think the city of Portland has sort of been on a steady incline when it comes Upward to being trajectory for a, sure. A, a, when it comes to being a, a respectable major city, 
I think oh, yeah. a lot of folks oh, yeah. were turned off Portland by just Portland rolls off the tongue, time. right? People hit me all the time now. Man, I'm coming to Portland. Yeah, Portland. Yeah. I don't the think first it was few always years that I was way. here. It wasn't that way. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we had our nucleus, and we've always been blessed to have Bay ties and Bay people out here. You feel me? Like a lot of them more than I expected. Um, but in addition to that, like I said, people who haven't been here yet definitely have Portland on their radar as yeah. a place to come now. Yeah, yeah. And, that's and it why was I said, not like that. And that's why I said I think the timeliness of it, although I don't think the timeliness was like purposeful, I think it was more coincidental. Right, right. But, Sometimes it worked out like but that. But it worked out that way, and, and it just makes sense because the profile of this city is constantly elevating on so many different fronts. And obviously, Dame has played a huge role in that with the success that he's been able to have with the Portland Trailblazers. He's the guy here. Going he's to the guy. six or seven straight guy. playoff appearances. You know, obviously, he's been very consistent when it comes Even to his play. Even that's been an upper they trajectory. Went they went to the Western they Conference, went to the Western Finals, Conference Finals. And now, they I'm got glad that you mentioned again. that. What, are, what do you think? Mr. Rip I'm, City, you the I'm one hearing, got the Blazers song. Hearing, Are you hearing, ready to I'm push hearing, the record? I'm hearing next Nirk, month. I'm hearing Nurk and Collins looking like them guys right Are now. Are you ready to push the record next on, month, man? man? It's, a, it's a timeless <laughs> record. It don't expire. You and that's me? my so, point. Like Do we said, got a rollout plan? Of, are we Are well, we thinking about that well, right now? Where well, we at? We need a rollout plan. It just kind of take care of itself. They playing in Orlando. Things are in a frenzy. Like I said, we used to performing and and being at the games. Obviously, all of that is off the table. So. I think now um, the key is to, if you would say a rollout plan, I think it's important to strengthen it on a social media level and on an internet level because it was easy for people to tie in and appreciate and have fun with the record as we're winning or as we're even playing in such moment, you know, in the playoffs. So I think now is the time where visuals and tying in the artists with the song and that kind of stuff is important from afar because we're not going to be as hands-on. A lot of my content that I was able to generate was from being hands-on, like you said, mm -hmm. right here at the games, outside the games, performing, all of that. So, you know, just, just staying relevant from, from afar. But but I, I guess I'm asking more for, more so from a standpoint, I hear what you're saying, staying relevant from afar. Right. I guess I'm asking just more so in connection to what you think the Blazers are actually going to do now that they do have Nurkic and, Col uh, and Collins back. Dame, obviously, is speaking well, highly I mean, of they what were they're doing. doing. They, they were in a bad spot. They were, they were yeah. in a bad they, spot. They so. damn near wasn't going to make the playoffs they before then. And now opinion. they got a whole new surge so that's the of thing. energy I think, and momentum. I think it just goes to back to what you said about things just kind of falling where they may. It's one of those things where it wasn't on purpose we didn't see this happening yeah. you know back in january whatever but now that it's here and it kind of gives them a a recharge and a resurgence and although this has been a pandemic nurk and collins have got nothing but time yeah. and that's what they've been you know that's what the rush was for time now they don't have to rush so although it may have been in a different form, in a different way. Those guys have still been rehabbing. Those guys have still been exercising. Those guys have still been working on touch. So I think it eases the translation of having to jump back out here, maybe not being fully ready. We've seen it with KD last year and what that risk is. Mm -hmm. So you're playing with that on your mind. Yeah. Everybody knows where you stand when you in the forefront and in the spotlight. So I think all of this works in the Blazers' favor. And obviously, like I said, and like you know from experience, that automatically translates into the song success. Right. So, like I said, with things now being so popular like TikTok, we've seen my Dutch Bros song start doing numbers by default. I think certain things like that pick up and happen now as we play again. People, yeah. That Rip City song from do 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 TikTok, boom. And you start seeing that content. Absolutely. Generated. Cool, cool. Dope, dope. Um, and then lastly, just to wrap it up on the Blazers front in particular, I am really excited to see Nurkic come back because you and I were actually at the game when he snapped his leg. We Nastiest saw it and seen. we watched it live. So I'm really he said happy he's in the to best hear shape ever. And that and I'm really happy to hear that. I'm really excited to see him come back and play because it, it didn't look promising promising if you were in that arena that Hell night, no. if you were in the motor center that night when but the after injury seeing, actually happened. He wasn't there live, but after seeing Paul George come back from that nasty injury, what was that in the in the Olympics, maybe? Yeah, that was in the after Olympics. After seeing that happen, even though it was on TV, that was one of the nastiest breaks yeah. I've ever seen. For him to recover yeah. and play at a high level, I'm starting to think, man, 
even though those brakes look nasty, they're better than than a lot of things such as ACLs and things like that. Because but even but even with ACLs and even some cases Achilles, but more so ACLs, you're seeing guys come back. But, and, but I and still thrive. think you see the and you do thrive. You have to because, change your game more. And I think that's more, because though. of I think the, the medical portion of it and the advancements that, and, and the doctors. Agree. But once again, I've heard people say coming off that injury that you still have to make adjustments to your game. Oh yeah. To to thrive where, like I said, with a break. You don't lose as much explosiveness. Mm-hmm. At ACL, I think everybody 10 out of 10 times have lost some sort of explosiveness. Mm-hmm. Where with the break, your bone could damn near come back yeah, to yeah, build yeah. stronger. Yeah, yeah, yeah it can. So uh, that's what my kind of, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, let's keep it basketball before we take it all the way into the culture. And this isn't necessarily basketball per se, but the most prominent basketball player in the world will be discussed in this conversation. That is LeBron James and Maverick Carter. Hundred million dollar um, boys. Spring Hill Entertainment, which is their media conglomerate, I guess you could say. Um, there has been a hundred million dollar investment in that, and boy. Does that take me all over the place as somebody that works in media in regards to what this actually means? Signing. Especially, I mean, yeah, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. But 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 even just beyond that, I think it's been a big year in regards to media and the landscape of media on so many levels. Obviously, Joe Rogan signing that $100 million plus podcast deal, I think, was monumental in the in the when it comes to the direction of the podcast game um when it comes to in a lot of ways the demise of radio and i've always been one to say i don't shit on radio and i would never say that i would never go back to radio but i do remember when i was in radio i had this podcast rocking and rolling one of my mentors in radio was sure to tell me you never know what's going to happen within this radio industry Always keep that podcast as your baby. Don't intersect the two. Don't have your podcast be some part of the radio station and what's going on with radio. Keep it separate because you never know what is going to happen in this crazy radio industry. Obviously, I got laid off when I was working in radio, but this podcast yet is still alive today. So with Joe Rogan doing what he did, I think that's a huge deal. Obviously, the pandemic, and we're going to talk about the BET Awards in a minute, but we've seen what the pandemic has done for a lot of folks when it comes to media, social media. I mean, you think of Tory Lanez and Quarantine Radio. He's got a new surge of momentum within the media industry. You obviously think of Versus, which we'll also talk about here soon. You also think of some of the creativity we've seen virtually during these times. It's like, man, we are seeing this entire thing shift. Some ways, like I said, intentionally, other ways because our hand has been forced to have to adapt to a pandemic that we never saw coming. And then you have LeBron James and guys of the likes of LeBron James who are now creating their own media entities as players. We obviously know Kevin Durant has his own media entity as well. And it really, to me, just kind of speaks to the traditional journalist jobs, especially when it came to covering sports, especially when it comes to, you know, whether it be writing in newspapers, whatever the case may be, the traditional journalistic jobs that we've known over the last however long we've known it for is taking a huge shift. And I really want to see the direction of these companies that have more so been corporatized and how they're going to adapt to the challenges of the Joe Rogans of the world coming in and doing what they're doing in the podcast industry. LeBron getting $100 million invested into his media conglomerate. Like I said, KD, there's so many guys that we're seeing just kind of create within the media landscape in ways we've never seen before. And now that all these corporations are taking a hit because economically things are (laughs) in a fucked up place because of this pandemic, Mm -hmm. boy, I'm really... Looking forward to see the direction that media is going to go as a landscape in its entirety. So I think the timing couldn't have been more perfect. Um, I was talking to my boy Brucey B the other day and he was saying like, you know, for a lot of people, you know, obviously we look at 
COVID in a negative light, but we're also seeing a lot of people thrive and shine within this particular time period, and it's been a blessing for a lot of folks. I was about so. to say it's it's a blessing in disguise for real. It's, these are the celebrate. These are the wins we got to celebrate. Yeah, these are real huge blessings in disguise, and like you said, some of it is by force in our hands, and some of it is just how things are panning out due to the overall situation and the overall wokeness that has yeah. become due to a lot of different reasons. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think sure. that is just, you know, we, we have to, in a time that we're in where it's so easy to be caught up in not only our own individual lives, but everything that's going on in the world, the uncertainty, the unanswered questions, the economy, everything, all of the, the trauma yeah, that we're seeing. That, all of that, that comes with what <laughs> yeah. I mentioned. Um, I think it's important to focus and acknowledge these huge wins because that that's a major thing in the black culture absolutely and i'm glad you said that because now i want to transition into verses which obviously i've become a big fan of over time i know you didn't watch this last verses this week but it was jada kiss verse fabulous Facts. and you know that's had a lot of success success during the pandemic i want to see the life that it continues to take on as time progresses and like you said these uncertain times in particular but even when we do find some type of new normalcy on a consistent level i really want to see the life that that continues to kind of blossom into um but in regards to that battle, Jada Kiss versus Fabulous, I was, I guess, caught off guard when it comes to my expectations coming into the battle and then what actually took place within the battle. A lot of the reason I was caught off guard is because Fabulous, when you listen to Fabulous as an artist, as a lyricist, when you look at Fabulous in the way that he's a, in the way that he appears, um, he's one of the swaggiest rappers Fly in guy. the game. One of the most poignant, just on point dudes in the game. He was not on point at all <laughs> in this battle. In fact, I think he came into this battle really unprepared. Was he drunk? Did he appear? To he be? he definitely was drunk. Jadakiss has become a fucking meme, an international meme. He was so loaded on on the <laughs> on the versus battle, but. What I'm saying is coming into it, even though Jadakiss, it almost reminded you of a drink camp, a drink champs podcast where Jadakiss just got drunker and yeah, drunker yeah. and drunker. And it was just blatantly apparent to all of us who are watching because he just is a loud mouth and he was just entertaining. He starts slurring his words. He, he was fucked up. But you still could tell that he prepared coming into this. So even as he got drunk, that became more entertaining it, it took on a life of its own there, but it huh? played into his favor because he did have a plan and you could tell fabulous just did not have one fabulous was going to his dj between every record because they didn't have a plan he was more so responding to whatever jadakiss did jadakiss took him down a loophole because jadakiss started off playing street shit and we know Jadakiss as a lyricist. We know Jadakiss's delivery. We know Jadakiss as somebody who's reputable when it comes to being a street rapper. And although Fab has street music, Fab was trying to match Jadakiss street record for street record when he really should have kind of changed the direction of where things were going because he has so many massive records that aren't necessarily street. So I just felt like you could see it in the display because like i said between each record fab is going to his dj as if they don't know what the fuck that's what do i like next. about verses is that it's no real rules and what i mean by that is it's not only about who has the better records and who's better and blah 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 but it's really calculated and strategic yes. as to who plays into whose hand and for the verses that i have seen the people who are successful end up the, the opponent ends up playing into their hand, into their favor. And I think that is something that we spoke of with the Ludacris and Nelly battle to where they talked about uh, adding uh, features, feature records. And you can't do that with Ludacris. Ludacris then featured his verse on some of the hardest, biggest records yeah. ever in life. Nelly has more probably bigger individual hits and, you know, yeah, collab hits, but yeah, right, collaborations right. that are his songs. But he said... 
Can we do features? And once he did that, it was a landslide. So that goes back into what you said, even with this verse is like, we know Fab as a swaggy, classy, damn near hip-hop, R&B, <laughs> you know, Ja Rule in his own way, always having a woman on the hook and right. then coming with the male side, you know? So with that being said, if he played into some street shit, that's already an L. That was an L. Was L. But I think the reason he played into the street shit because he didn't have a plan of his own when it came to utilizing his own records as weapons. Jadakiss utilized his street music as weapons and... I'll, I'll really go as far as saying this. It was interesting for me because obviously I'm from the West Coast, which, by the way, versus you need to hurry up and get some West Coast representation in these battles because, uh, you know, obviously the East Coast got a lot of love. Timbo and Swizz are both East Coast guys. The South has gotten love, but um, you could tell, like, even looking in the comments, the Mellows, the Lalas, the the Joe Buttons, these East Coast stars, essentially, folks that derive from the East Coast and are stars in their own right, you could tell how much they felt Jada Kiss's music and how kind of nostalgic Jada Kiss's music was that may have not necessarily been as nostalgic for me being from the West Coast mm -hmm. because those street records aren't actually the records that like popped off internationally. Like mm -hmm. we got to remember Jada Kiss did shit with Mariah Carey. Jada he Kiss has why like yeah, he, he's yeah, got yeah. big that's Anthony Hamilton like yeah. he's got huge records. But they weren't necessarily his street records with the locks and all of that kind of shit. But for the people that come from those streets, man, you could tell how much they were really feeling it in the comments. And to me, it's like, I thought that round was actually a little bit closer just because Fab's record like, is kind of big. That and like, oh, Kiss, you just dude. killed him with yeah. that record. So it was just kind of interesting being a younger West Coast guy and, and seeing kind of the east coast love and really seeing how they really felt about kiss and if you did actually listen to the records kiss got heat like he was flaming he every heat. one of those records he always had heat but he was flaming those records and you like oh i can see why they felt it and that, that way you say that i'm really not surprised even about fabulous because i think that's been his downfall his whole career. I think it's right what you said that he's been swaggy, he's been a fly person, he's been had gas, all of that. But I think he's never made really, like he's never had significant rollouts. The media coverage that he has had, especially as of late, has been bad about him abusing his girl, you know, yeah, yeah, all that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. So yeah. I just feel like he's never had that real, like, just he never made his real mark as far as being marketable or seeming prepared on a rollout or outside the music really entertaining ever. Mm -hmm. And so I could kind of see where that translates into the versus situation with being unprepared or not really translating entertaining wise. Yeah, it, it wasn't. And see, Jada Kiss entertained I, his I ass off. See, I can see that. <laughs> and Kiss entertained his ass off. Um, let's see. We keeping it with the culture, keeping it with the culture, the BT Awards. Um, the baby and Roddy Rich. That's what you saw. Yep, that's what I. What were your thoughts on that? Um, man, I, it's hard for me to. I loved it. First off, I loved it. I thought it was a good visual. I think that the production and every the setup was good. I have a hard time with people reenacting the knee on the neck, black or white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah. my real critique. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it. I don't know. Maybe being at that level is more acceptable or I might feel a different way who knows but me personally it's a real soft spot and I'm not even gonna say it's too soon I don't think it's ever gonna be a good time to reenact that that was traumatic to the eyes um you obviously know exactly what it's related to mm -hmm. um, but that's real post-traumatic stress driven post-traumatic trauma um and the reenactment of it is just a little touchy or insensitive, if to nobody else, the family and yeah, close yeah, people. Yeah. That, that's my opinion. People are seeing this. It's a nationally televised situation. The internet don't miss. That's the only critique I have. And they're, they're not wrong for doing it. I but think it's interesting. It's, it's interesting that you say that because... Obviously, it makes me think of sort of symbolism in a larger scale in regards to 
a lot of what we're hearing about today with statues being torn down, Confederate flags being taken down in NASCAR. Um, I talked about this a bit actually when I was on TRT um, News Hour last week where um, you know, the, the, the lady, the journalist from Istanbul, Turkey, she was asking me about, you know, what does this mean? You know, what significance does the tearing down of statues and all of that have? And for me, it more so solely was symbolism because symbolism in a lot of ways have become huge in this country. We saw the side by side picture of Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and protesting police brutality Once while again, on the football a negative field. Reminder, and, and, and now Derek Chauvin with his knee in George Floyd's neck. But it is indeed a, a, a negative reminder. But I guess more so what I'm thinking about it from is the emotion that it kind of brings out. Facts. You know I what mean, I mean? That's it's, what I'm saying. It's a very, it's a, it's a negative, it's a powerful Right. Obviously, it's by default, it's going to bring that emotion. But that's what I'm saying to kind of stay away from, lean more on the lyrics and everything else. Like I said, the production was perfect. And I think it still would have been perfect without that part. Or kind of, like I said, I don't, I'm not saying don't wear I Can't Breathe t-shirts. And that's some of his last yeah, words. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just a difference with the symbolism of a reenactment. And it, it, it's, I, it's, it's, where I think it's dope that you're actually bringing that up, because like mm-hmm. I said, I think it connects a lot more with these statues that have been torn down of people who were fucking slave owners. Like we have to sit here and look at statues of slave Are owners you all the time. Or do, I no, I am you, agreeing. Okay. But what I'm saying is from a symbolism perspective, we're seeing a lot of symbolism being taken down. Essentially, you wish that that symbolism of what the baby did was never put up. So now in this case, Take, we can say yeah. you wish that it was taken down. Yeah, because so there's the a reminder. comparison there. You don't want to be reminded of slave owners. You don't want to be reminded of any uh, of that. Uh, he and, and George Floyd's and like neck. I said, and, it's, yeah. it's been so global and so personable. Like I said, I could even take that part out and leave it just to the sensitivity of the family. But this has caught... I talk to you personally. You can take a lot, and it's hard for you to watch stuff like that. Yeah, I broke down and cried for sure. I watched. I watched somebody who's a mentor of mine watching him break down and cry and shut his whole day down. So that's all I'm saying is that I personally don't think it's ever a right time to reenact something that was so gruesome and the outcome was so horrific. And I think that they executed everything else so well with that visual that it could have been done without that doesn't mean yeah. they were wrong for using it it's it's an opinion that i have just no, based I, on I my it. feelings of what kind of emotions it stirs it's definitely an automatic connection and a powerful symbol but it's it's, it's touchy it's touchy it's, it's touchy. touchy yeah it provokes a wide range of emotions mm-hmm. um but even going forward about the bet awards i actually thought it was a great fucking award show which is good and a lot of which the reason and but i don't know if it's good yet and the reason why i think it's good in regards to is bet is black entertainment television we know what times we're in right now they when it comes to, to blackness right <laughs> they didn't need to miss right now and they didn't so that's a good thing now what i'm calling more so into question is a lot of that production to me was better than the normal production that you usually see when the show is live That's all I'm saying, because I feel like you're able to do more with different sets and different locations and people are able to tailor their sets more to what it is that they want to do because you don't have to switch sets in and out in between acts in X amount of minutes. You're taking the best take, take, but so, so where I'm more so, what I'm more so wondering, going back to, like I said, the landscape of media changing, the landscape of how we consume things changing Mm. is going forward. Over for that is award show. show. Yeah, it's it like over, going forward. I sat in one. It's over. That it's honestly boring to be in a. It's it, it's more entertaining to watch the shit how I was watching it than it was. I went to the BET Awards. Yeah, straight up. Right, and and it was an experience. Obviously, you're in a room with some heavy hitters. You're in an environment that you don't foresee yourself really. Be, you know, you don't wake up thinking you're going to the BET Awards, but. I was in there, and it's a lot of, it's very, 
meticulous and structured. A lot of commercial breaks. A lot of running around, scrambling. And yeah. like I said, as you're there live, you're seeing this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very strict on cell phones and getting up and people having to use a bathroom, waiting for certain small windows of opportunity, which none of that really affected me. But like I said, the whole environment, it just wasn't necessarily as enjoyable of as the idea was that I'm at the BET yeah, Awards, right, if that makes sense. Right, so, right. Um, I could see what you're saying, the enhancement in the production and then being able to have a lot less room for error. Um, we might see the shift, and that's unfortunate. And, 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 and like unfortunate. I said, where it becomes unfortunate isn't necessarily for the mainstream or the big-time artists because, obviously, they've got labels. They've been able to make a decent enough it's living. unfortunate for where workers. They could, yeah, where they yeah. could afford... <laughs> To get the sets that they want mm-hmm. and, and make it happen when yeah, it, when fine. that moment comes. But like you said, not just workers, but even other artists who plan on thriving within this industry. Like there are some artists out there that are good in a live setting. That might not necessarily translate to a setting that is virtual. <laughs> and Big so facts. and so I'm wondering what this is gonna do for a lot of underground artists a lot of artists that are on the up and up when it comes to how are you going to adapt to these times being able to start to really master virtual production virtual performance virtual content because with the success that some of these virtual um instances that we've seen have had with I'm sure the cost that being cut in a lot of ways by way of these virtual instances that we've had, boy, artists, media personalities, everybody, we better be really starting to prepare ourselves to transition into an entirely new look of what consumption is going to be for consumers and what production is going to be for entertainers so that's all i that's all i'm saying there is i think we really need to hone in on what's going on the success is the success it's having how it's fitting into certain budgets and yeah we gotta we gotta really pay attention to that so um but ultimately i thought it was really good i was glad to see one of my favorite artists uh masego perform masego is an absolute beast probably my favorite artist right now anderson pack his new record, um, Lockdown, is a super dope record. His his set that he did with J-Rock was incredibly dope. I just think Amanda Seals, got to give a shout out to her. She did really, really good hosting. And even with her hosting, I think it allowed her to actually be more creative because usually you are, as a host, you're working off the energy of the crowd. In this case, I don't think she had to work off the energy of the crowd, but she was able to get more creative with her sets and with her skits because she was able to do more with these virtual backdrops that I think it allowed her to be more in a comfortable position of doing what she wanted to do creatively rather than having to appease these thousands of people that are out in the audience and, you know, hoping that they react the way that she wants them to react. So it was just interesting on a lot of levels for me. Um, But great job, BET. You certainly didn't miss. And I was proud to watch it. And if you haven't watched it, go figure it out and rewatch it. Um, let's go to taking L's now before we wrap this thing up. You got anybody for taking L's just yet? Man, Trump got a warrant. <laughs> <laughs> I say no more, Gaddy. Trump got a warrant, B. <laughs> I could I it's plenty L's, but that was the grand largest. Our president got a warrant. Yeah, I, I certainly uh there was something on Instagram that I saw somebody posts and they did it jokingly but they was talking about how ghetto america was because our president has a warrant obviously we know uh trump and his name calling and calling folks thugs have been very prominent during these times and have certainly been brought to the forefront and he's been either harshly criticized or greatly supported when it comes to his stance on that. They said as soon as his term over, he's going to sit. (laughs) Yeah, but um, yeah, Iran issued an arrest warrant um, on President Trump, and they're they're trying to get the guy, the no. Iranian, the Iranian oh, general. Serious. They're serious. They're not playing no games he with, him. with the wrong one. Yeah, they're not playing no games <laughs> with him. So 
Uh, I think that was a really good straight to the point taking L there. I'm sorry, I had um, to. No, no, no. It was great. <laughs> it was a good one. It was a good one. Um, so for me, my taking L is gonna go to Terry Crews. Many of you know who Terry Crews is. He's canceled. <laughs> the, the, the entertainer Terry Crews, the guy who uh, many of us have gotten to know over time. But he's on essentially, the other side. Let me go find this tweet <laughs> real quick because. Essentially, Terry Crews came out with a tweet in regards to Black Lives Matter, and I don't want to misquote this tweet, so let me go here and find it real fast. All right, I got it. And the tweet says, from Terry Crews, if you are a child of God, you are my brother and sister. I have family of every race, creed, and ideology. We must ensure Black Lives Matter doesn't morph into black lives better. Where do I start there? <laughs> where do I start there? That's ignorant. I'll tell you where I'll start That's there. Ignorant. That's very ignorant. And I'll tell you where I start there. Where I start there, it's not just Terry Crews that I'm criticizing here, but it's a lot of people, especially more so of the conservative folks who are coming out and looking for all the negatives and all the flaws when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement, especially when it comes to you hear folks talking about abortion. You hear folks obviously talk about um, the black trans movement and they criticize that movement. Um, You hear folks talk about black on black crime. And if black lives matter, why doesn't it matter when black folks are out killing each other? You hear all these different arguments to try to take down what Black Lives Matter actually means, what Black Lives Matter actually derives from. And it simply derives from, in particular, I believe it was Trayvon Martin when he was killed by George Zimmerman. And the Black Lives Matter movement was created, it was founded and created to fight back against white supremacy and whites not being held accountable when it comes to killing black people and obviously police brutality and them not being held accountable or having to suffer consequences when they freely kill black people. That's it. When we start to bring in all of these other narratives that was and try to attach statement. it to Black Lives Matter, we wow. need to really stop doing that and just dig wow. deeper into the roots of Black Lives Matter. Listen, we know that we have issues that need to be tackled and need to be dealt with within the black community. But please don't attach those particular issues to a movement like Black Lives Matter that was never initially brought to the forefront to even deal with those particular issues that a lot of you all talk about. If you want to go and kind of dig into some of those issues, I'm more than okay with you doing that. That's your prerogative. That's your thing. But when you use Black Lives Matter to create your own narrative, whether it be an all lives matter narrative, like I said, a black on black crime narrative and abortion narrative, please, can we please stop intertwining those two because it's not the same thing (laughs) it's just not the same thing and so because the black lives matter has gotten so big i think a lot of it has gotten lost in translation Mm, and mm, even mm. in this instance right here where you have terry cruz saying black lives matter shouldn't morph into black lives better where basically he's he's saying that (laughs) yeah black folks shouldn't feel more empowered because of the issues that are going on today. Terry Crews, I think that was was just absolutely tasteless. Like you said, I think it was a big L on your part. It was it was a trash take. It was trash for you to say. It really has some all lives matter flavor to it. And it really to me is is you more so feeling as if the oppression of the black community should not be lifted in ways that it hasn't been in the past. And that oppression should certainly be lifted in the ways that it hasn't been in the past because we have seen too much and we have had to deal with too much as a race in this country where we need that. We need that oppression to get up off of us, man, whether we going to get it off of us or folks are going to start to figure it out and change their ways and change policies to where this oppression comes up off of the black race. So that's who I'm giving an L to this week. Terry Crews, you're out of here, buddy. <laughs> we Trump know it's Terry, not Black huh? Lives Matter. And please, please, people, 
quit confusing Black Lives Matter for whatever narrative it is that you want to push because usually whatever narrative it is that you want to push has absolutely nothing to do with the roots and the foundation of what Black Lives Matter was brought to the forefront of in the first place. Terry Trump. <laughs> I'm out of here. And yeah, with that being said, D-Boy, you got anything you want to say to close it out? Question God video this Friday, baby. Oh, yeah, Tune it's in. big. It's, it's big. big. Tune in. Absolutely. Question God video out this Friday. Make sure you check D-Boy out on that. Um, on my end, you know, we, we're still rocking and rolling. Follow me on all my social media, Devon Pouncey or Pounce underscore Sation on Twitter and Instagram. And like I said, just keep up with what I'm doing because things are moving fast right now. Things are happening sporadically, but it's a good sense of sporadic. So I, I'm not mad at the way things are moving, but it's hard for me with a weekly podcast to keep you updated with what's going on with so many moving parts day to day. With that being said, give it your all and whatever it is that you do. And uh, we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and, and go, go win. win.